Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Bureau. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by a shout out from Madeline's episode. Her name's Grace. Grace, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Grace. I went to Warwick. I'm currently working as a journalist and living in London. Awesome. Yeah, so you mentioned how you're a shout out from Maddie's episode. How, how do you know Maddie? Through Warwick, I guess? Yeah, yeah, we studied the same course at Warwick, but she's like, actually, she's one of my best friends. And we did, I like, didn't know each other when we first got to uni. And then we both ended up going to Rome on our year, years abroad with two other girls that like neither of us really knew. And then so we just became like super close, like the four of us living in Rome together, having not, never been friends in like the two years that we were studying the same course, which has like 60 people on it. Yeah. You'd have to remind me what um, course did you and Maddie do? So we did classics, like classical civilization, which is like history, but from like a thousand years ago, <laughs> thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. How'd you find that? Yeah, it was good. Obviously it's like got nothing to do with what I'm doing now, but it was, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I did it at A level and had like a really good time doing it and didn't know what I wanted to study at uni. So just sort of picked that as something I enjoyed. Luckily I did manage to get a job afterwards because it was a bit touch and go. What kind of like jobs you're looking at after doing like a, a classics? classics degree is it the same as classics like classic yeah it's the same thing like some people do like just the latin and the greek and like languages but then other people do more like i do i did more like the history and like literature and culture stuff Mm -hmm. yeah like a lot of people going to teaching like english and history and stuff you can also become like like an accountant some people do that a lot of people do like law conversions there's a couple of people who've gone into like creative kind of industries so it's it's one of those degrees where it's like a bit different I think it's it's basically a bit like doing drama where like the actual things that you learn are probably not going to be applicable to your job but it's a degree yeah well one of those there you mentioned creative that's kind of your route right yeah yeah definitely I had no idea what I wanted to do when I finished uni and I just started sort of like applying for internships and stuff. And I got one at Cosmopolitan and like, that was kind of it for me. Like I did a month there and I was like, I want to be a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you went into there like not knowing you wanted to be a journalist? Yeah. So I did some like stuff at Warwick in kind of like my first year, I did some stuff for the bore. And then in my fourth, like second and fourth year, I like did radio with one of my friends so I kind of always knew that I wanted to do something in media like I've always been really interested in kind of media and like the creative industries but I had no idea until like I walked in the door because I always thought it was one of those things where like you have to be like a certain type of person to be able to do it and like it's so competitive so I was like there's no chance I'm going to be able to do this yeah especially like yeah Cosmopolitan as well that's the big big magazine right yeah yeah no massive like it's all across the world yeah Cool fact, just humble, humble brag. I designed the, the radio logo at Warwick. Oh, really? Yeah. If you don't like right. it, then forget it. It wasn't memorable. That no, really it was good at the time, but now I look back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they could probably do redesigning it again. I don't know. Uh, claim to fame. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a bit with the bore as well, but only on like the marketing side, not really on the writing side. I think actually I wanted to write sports when I first got into uni. But they were like, at the time, they were kind of like, yeah, we only write in like uni sports stuff. And I was like, okay, I just want to write about Man United, to be honest. But yeah, they're like, no, no, no. No, you have to write about varsity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, that's cool. So like, yeah, you mentioned like journalism wasn't really something like during school or 
maybe something you may have considered, but that kind of cosmopolitan job was the first real glimpse I guess you had. And it was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, definitely. Like I've always been a massive reader and like always read like newspapers and magazines and stuff, but I just thought it was like so competitive and you just had to be amazing or like you weren't going to like amazing from the off. Because obviously like you see people who get these like internships and stuff straight out of uni yeah. from like a couple of people from the board have like gone and done like really, really well. And I just thought you had to be like that. And kind of like, if you didn't make it by the time you were 21, like there was, you had no chance, but it's not like that at all. Yeah. Well, Hamish, you, you could have done a, I forgot, we, we could have done a humble brag on the, like we, our names are at the bottom of the board website. Oh, yeah. uh, if, if you go into the board.org, it's like powered by Tom, Hamish and Aaron. So uh, oh. we, we, we did some work on the website as well. Yeah. We've been around, been around the block, man. Been around the block. So then how did you get like the opportunity at Cosmopolitan if it was kind of like new to you? So I just started like applying for internships um, and then I met one of the editors at like an event and I just started talking to her. Yeah. And like, I suppose that helped. Like, I think it's quite applying for the internship. It's not like applying for some, you know, like you get these like grad internships that are like super competitive and like hundreds and hundreds of people apply. Like, it's really not like that. It's like you send an email (laughs) and then I guess hope that like they can slot you in because obviously, obviously it's like very, it's a very difficult industry to get into. And they're such a big magazine with such like with more resources than others. So they do have a new intern like every three weeks okay. so throughout the year they can fit quite a few in like every month they have a new one so they can fit quite a few in across the year so it's not really like you know it's it is kind of like luck that you get picked but I think because I'd met this editor like she probably put in a good word for me wait when you say intern do you mean like literally temporary or do you actually mean you like as a grad oh yeah so like work experience oh, okay, okay. yeah yeah so is that what your, yours was yes yeah so it was work experience and then so I did it was supposed to be four weeks but I was graduating so I could only do three I was gutted but like no it was really good like from the off I just started like pitching ideas and stuff um which I don't think they'd really had anyone ha- do before and then so I got like three articles published and I did like a couple of interviews so after that I like established myself with one of the editors there and then started writing freelance for her oh wicked Wait, so you're writing freelance for one of the editors? Yeah, yeah. So you obviously like write for the magazine, but you work with like only one editor, really. Uh, okay. Otherwise, it's like too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you would be writing for Cosmopolitan? Yeah, yeah. So I wrote for like the like sex and relationships area of the site. They mm-hmm. ha- also have like health and entertainment and like like all these other sections. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. And then so like having those like articles, you said you had articles published, you did a few interviews. The articles, are they kind of like, do you come up with those pieces or is it they give you kind of an assignment and then you can play around with it and write your own thing or is it quite strict? It's like, I I think what happened was, I don't think anyone on work experience maybe before or like not for a really long time had actually written anything, but I was, you do loads of transcriptions, like you transcribe loads and loads of interviews. And then for this editor, every time I gave her back the transcription, I just like put a little note about something I thought about the interview. And then in the end, I think she just like picked up that I was interested and was like, oh, if you want to ping me some, I, (laughs) yeah, if you want to. Was there a little note like, let me do one of these. Yeah, let me, it would be fab. Thank (laughs) you. I was also like sat opposite her so I was just like every time I sent her an email I was just like hello (laughs) (laughs) yeah like she was just like oh like if you've got any ideas for articles you want to write like please send them across and I'm sure we can like sort something out obviously like you're already kind of there so you don't get like paid for them or anything like Mm. that 
but yeah so I ended up writing three two of the ideas I pitched and one of them got given to me which was the interview which was like something I'd never done before is this the interview with the guy from Knives Out no no that was for a magazine that I started working with after my work experience okay we'll we'll come on to that then yeah I don't don't jump ahead but I saw that on the instant I was like oh shit that's cool yeah (laughs) no that's cool transcribing so is transcribing just are you listening to like an interview, like a past interview and then having to write up like the conversation basically? Yeah. Yeah. You just literally write up word for word. Like it's quite, if the interview is boring, then obviously that's really boring. But if it's really interesting, then you do get like, and because I was doing it there, obviously the interviews were quite like nitty gritty. Like mm. I did one on kind of like, there was a feature coming about, out about people who'd been in relationships with people that had just lied throughout their whole relationship. So I listened to this interview with this woman who had been in this relationship with a man for like five years and he just like completely lied even about like what his name was and like all of that. So I'm just transcribing this like, oh my God, the drama. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. That's mad. What happened in the end with that kind of relationship? Like, I think, I think she like left, left him, I imagine. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, literally. Yeah, just like crazy stuff. He'd be like, oh, I'll meet you like in Paris this weekend. And then just like never turned up because, and then just lied about. What, she turned up in Paris? Yeah. Um, because it's like. Part. A smart person yeah. would meet at the airport. You know what I mean? Like you don't just yeah, meet yeah, in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was like, because he just lied to her throughout so much of it. Like, um, I mean, it was like a couple of years ago, so I can't really remember. Wait, wait, she sent someone to Paris and they didn't go and then made an excuse for it. Was it for a YouTube I, video or something? Like a big like. Prank. I know. I, I like. Imagine. You know, just some people are really. Yeah. Good. How long are these interviews that you have to transcribe roughly? Or well, they vary, I guess. Yeah, they vary. I'd say like 45 minutes for an hour. Oh, that's long. I have to. I have to like transcribe 15 seconds for the podcast so we can post like a <laughs> clip midweek. And I'm like, even that's like, yeah, it doesn't take me. Maybe it's just because me and Hamish are maybe harder to understand. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> what are we actually saying? Yeah. But yeah, even that, I find like, I couldn't imagine doing 45 minutes because I've seen people like, some people have recommended like transcribing the whole podcast and putting it online and it's good for like SEO and stuff like that. But, and obviously good for those who like have like difficulties hearing and stuff. Yeah. But then, yeah, I just can't imagine like listening to the podcast and writing down everything. Oh, I was just saying you can get like software that will do it for you. But it's like not accurate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was what Hamish said about too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because for me, yeah. for some reason, maybe I talk too fast or I slur my words into each other too much. So it basically just doesn't work for me. So if you check the YouTube version, the automatic YouTube version, it just thinks I'm chatting about something completely else. To, <laughs> to what I'm saying, I'm like, yeah, I can't use these. Yeah. yeah. And they all promise to be so accurate, but I'm just like, I don't want to pay. They all, a lot of them cost as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't want to pay. And it just tells me, like, yeah, just stuff I haven't said. <laughs> but no that's 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 cool so yeah you had your what were the articles that you, you wrote about so i wrote one about how like i've forgotten like the headline name, but it was like how straight people should behave in like gay bars like and then i wrote one the interview was with a musician about like being like a really butch woman and like how that had affected her life and then i wrote one about huel you know nutritional okay, yeah yeah that stuff um <laughs> which was a bit like um off and then those were the three that i wrote while i was there and then i did like a couple afterwards about i did one on like um aphrodisiacs and like gaslighting and stuff like that yeah, I wonder if I matched. I've been into I've been to a gay, been to a couple of gay bars now actually, because I 
heritage kind of rich, but I, li- I lived in San Francisco for a year. Oh, nice. And there's like the Castro district and it's like, yeah, yeah famous for like pride and everything. So yeah. it's like, it's just a strip of like gay bars. And so like me and my housemates thought we'd, it'd be cool to like go check it out. I think, I think it was our second night there as well. <laughs> like we went. What am I going to rinse you for? What exactly am I rinsing Oh, just, for? just saying I lived in, me saying I lived in San Francisco for a year. Oh, okay. Because uh, like, I've bro, said that a lot of times. Do you say it a lot? Yeah. It's just a little flex, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was just wondering if I, I was like thinking in my head, like, how did I re- behave <laughs> as a straight person in gay bar? I don't know if I... I was actually going to ask, like, you know in Soho, there are the gay bars, yeah, like when you walk past them, yeah, like, I don't even know how to behave myself. I just walk by, I'm just like, I need to just get from point A to B because I don't know, I don't want to offend anyone here. <laughs> yeah, it's more like going in, like what, how you behave like when you're in them. Like, I think people think that they're like, because obviously like you don't have to be like any part of the LGBT community to go into them. And I, and I think because they're, they're like so fun and so like, mm. like kind of like free spirited, I think some people get away from themselves a bit. And it was, it's basically just like really simple stuff, like not getting offended if someone hits on you, like, which is ridiculous. Like yeah, I had two guys hit on me, you know, and to be honest, yeah. I was gassed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was like, a bit like oh, but they thought I sat there for, I was from Australia and not from England. So I was a bit like, uh, were they a bit disappointed when they found out? <laughs> I think they're bite you know. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's just like really sim- simple stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, because it's like, why are you in there if that offends you so much? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be weird to like go in and... Yeah, I couldn't imagine like, yeah, yeah why people would be offended. But cool, so you, so you had that the time at Cosmopolitan. And then how did you like leave there and going to like freelance so i'm actually not completely freelance at the moment i'm the features writer on a magazine called good to know which is like it's like a parenting like family magazine but i work on the more the news side so i do a lot of like the health all the health stuff so i've been covering coronavirus like for the last oh, year man. yeah i'm the number one go-to source for like lockdown stuff <laughs> yeah so after cosmo i started doing some work for a magazine called the upcoming which is like a london-based like entertainment magazine and that was, that was amazing. Like I got to do so many, so much cool stuff, like go to like all these like press events and screenings and see like, um, like I went to like Netflix premieres and stuff like that. Yeah. And I interviewed um, Don Johnson at the Knives Out press junket, which was like probably one of the scariest things I've ever done. Cause he's like Dakota Johnson's dad, if you know her. And oh, is he? Yeah. And he was in Miami Vice, which is the thing he's most famous for. Hmm. I think like probably our parents' generation, as soon as I told my dad, he was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> that's amazing. That's so cool. But like, yeah, I don't think anyone like in our generation really knows who he is apart from like, Dakota Johnson's dad. Well, Knives Out was a sick film. Yeah. Well, really yeah, liked it was, anyway. yeah. It was such a good film. Such a good film. So I went to see that and then I interviewed him and it was like my first ever press junket, which is like when, so I turned up to like the Mandarin Oriental in London, which is like this like super bouge, like five-star hotel next to all these, uh, and then you get put in a room with all these other journalists and they're from like, you know, like all the, like the times, like the independent, the this, the that, yeah. and they're just there like conducting all these interviews all day. And I was just there like so nervous like wheeled into this room and like the whole room is just kind of like covered in like soundproof and stuff and he's just sat there like hello <laughs> was he nice was he like oh like oh good my god he was s- such a lovely guy like so so friendly and i think he could tell that i was like shitting it a bit can i say that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and he was just like so friendly and i just like asked some questions and at the end he was like your questions were really good and i was like i don't think they were <laughs> <laughs> that's nice to say anyway yeah yeah and then i ended up get- getting into a lift with him like leaving 
like just me and him in the lift and then I think he was shitting it a bit because like I don't think any actor wants to be in a lift with like a young journalist by themselves did you speak or was it just like yeah I was like oh like thank you so much like that was my first like interview and he was like you did really well and as he left he like tapped me he like put his hand on my shoulder and was like you were great <laughs> I could tell you like your memory's good with it. Like you can remember it really well. That yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the bit. Like I've never had a dip in confidence since. Yeah. <laughs> so press junket, is that like the term for those kind of... Yeah, so it's just like those big, like it always takes place like in a hotel or like a conference center or something. And okay, for film promotions, it, normally yeah, TV or something. Yeah, exactly. And then you have like the actor sat there with their like, publicist next to them and the publicist will like wave at you if you say something that you ask a question that you're not allowed to ask okay because they must be there all day i guess like yeah like i think they're knackered like by the end of it and they just sit there having to ask answer like all the same questions over and over again yeah did you come up with the questions is it kind of like a team oh wicked because i I remember what was it there was a there's a famous one with mila kunis Uh, yeah and the guy who's interviewing who now is on like bbc radio one of the BBC radios. Yeah. And it was like his first one. And he, I remember him like started talking to her about like his lads group at the pub and like their nicknames and like football team and stuff like that. And she seemed to, to be honest, she like, he didn't ask her, he didn't ask her anything about the film. And he seemed like, he, <laughs> it seemed like he, uh, he was getting in trouble at the same time. But he, she seemed like she was like having a really good time with it. Just like being something different. Yeah. I literally just think they get so many of them. They must really love it when someone like comes in and just ask them like something completely random or just like talks to them like they're a human being like there was definitely one that like I don't know like like Beyonce did and someone started talking to her about like yeah like a football team or like something like that yeah I think I might have seen that as well yeah and I have a feeling it was like so yeah someone at the Beeb again I think they just like have the audacity and they're just like it's fine when the BBC can get away with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'll be like have you heard of the the third wheel yeah check uh, it out <laughs> yeah oh speaking of i had a really like embarrassing like i oh, saw so last week i haven't told hamish to see but i went to a escape room uh oh, yeah. with with uh, with a couple of friends like my friend and his girlfriend actually so i was third wheeling <laughs> and we did the escape room and everything finished and it was like a harry potter theme to we came out of it and the woman who was like in charge of us like giving us clues or whatever she like took a few pictures of us I was like, cool. And then she said, ah, oh, who shall I send this to? You're the third wheel, right? And then I turn around and I'm like, do you know who I am? Like, you know, do you know <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I just clocked what do, do you listen to the oh, podcast? No. I was like, do you, listen, do, you, do you listen to the podcast? And then she was like, and she just looked to me like with this kind of like weird look, like, are you okay? Oh, like, no. who are you? Uh, and then my mate, my mate put the third wheel as our group name and like the booking for the, oh, right. for the, for the, for the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Luke was like, no, nah. Luke was just like, yeah, yeah, it's the third wheel. I was like, okay, I'm just not going to speak anymore. Just oh, So like God. we got a photo of it in the bottom left, it says the third wheel and I'm actually like third wheel in a photo. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, not, not assuming that again. No. <laughs> I was going to say regarding the interviews, you know, all the interviews pretty much end up having like the same or similar questions. Yeah, like, isn't it like if all these companies are going to do all these interviews and they're going to put that same content out, like, is there... Is there a point? Yeah. Kind of, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just every single channel is going to put out the same questions and the same answers are going to come out usually. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, obviously you try and come up with a question that like no one else is going to have, but like 
that never happens because also like you want the answers to like the basic questions like yeah um like when i i knew that like don johnson and there's another actress in the film jamie lee curtis are like really good friends in real life from like research so i was like oh how was it working with her so i guess like he was a bit surprised by that and maybe like no one had asked him that before and then i but also like i suppose their response to the interviewer is going to be different like i was like 20 like 20 years old like 21 years old literally bricking it um dressed in my like purple suit and like so I think I was just very different from all the other in- interviewers so I think he was just like felt a bit sorry for me and like I think at one point he oh like in his daughter is called Grace one of his daughters okay. is called Grace so we spoke about that for a bit which was the, obviously what I use as like my sound bite for the bit on my like Instagram <laughs> is the way where he's like oh my daughter's called Grace so I'm like wow that's fantastic you have such good taste in names <laughs> my parents would also agree with you <laughs> like shut up stop talking <laughs> nice jokes so then the upcoming was it the upcoming yeah the upcoming and the other places so you did like health yeah yeah that's where I work now good to know um I do a lot of like yeah and the coronavirus stuff what do you write in terms of like coronavirus I do a lot of like SEO I guess like breaking so like when news breaks Mm -hmm. people want to know about it so like when all the vaccines came out it was like what is Pfizer so we literally have a piece on like what is the Pfizer vaccine that does really well for us because we got in there really quickly and it will just be like you know like is lockdown being delayed like are children going to get the coronavirus vaccine like Stuff, stuff like that that people are just googling and there's not really a lot of places that like collate all the information on it so it's kind of like writing features like kind of like long form with just like loads of info and stuff like that that people are looking for no that's cool i can see yeah i can tell that that would definitely be useful over the past past year yeah for sure yeah so it is is a parenting and but i don't do like any of the parenting side of stuff yeah obviously (laughs) have you been asked like would you have to like well like so i've been working there for like a year and a half now i've been asked to like sometimes when like something just needs done and you just do it because like ultimately like it's not really about you like because you interview like experts and stuff like that so i've done someone like like breastfeeding and stuff like that and i haven't like got this like i have no idea like literally none yeah so i'm on the phone to these experts and they're like do you have children i'm like (laughs) <laughs> no i am a child um, <laughs> so, um okay so it's, it's not really like kind of you enough to give like an opinion piece or anything like that no 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 definitely not i've done like i guess i did a piece on um like the change in sex education in schools because a year ago the government basically announced that they were going to make them completely like inclusive of like different kinds of relationships and stuff like that because before like they hadn't been changed in like 20 like 20 years like there was still kind of law in there from section 28 which was um I don't know whether you know it was so like (laughs) during Margaret Thatcher's like when she was prime minister she put in this law that basically was like you can't promote homosexuality in schools yeah and it was a bit like in russia like they have now where you just can't like you can't talk about it you can't acknowledge Mm -hmm. it exists you could definitely can't say it's okay and so the like sex and relationships education in schools hadn't been changed since that was put into effect so it was just completely like not useful for the current like world so the law was that you can't speak about homosexuality or was it the other way around that you can what Wait, I got it so, wrong. yeah I so you just you you just can't like you can't oh, okay 
it was a law that was put into effect by the government and put on like local councils. So which is like, like state schools. Yeah, so like teachers couldn't like if a kid was being bullied in the playground for being gay, teachers couldn't like step in, because they'd have to acknowledge what that kid was being bullied for. Mad. That's mad. Yeah. And it only ended in like 2002, I think. I might just look that. But it was okay, like definitely okay. like, yeah. Ah, that's crazy. That's mad. Yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, completely, completely mad. So I wrote a piece on that. Okay. So it hasn't like changed like recently, recently. Yeah. So it literally changed in the last, it's changing at the moment. Like okay. I, I wrote the piece last year and I don't think any of because of coronavirus, like the changes haven't been enforced because obviously it's like not at the top of school's priority list right now. Yeah. So now like schools have to teach that like same sex couples exist, whereas previously they didn't have to because of this like really archaic law that was only removed in like 2000. Yeah. That's crazy. I also, I also had a look and I think I checked your website and you said you do like film and TV reviews as well. So that's what I did for the upcoming was all like uh, TV and film reviews. I just went to like lots of press events and like music events and stuff like that. What have you kind of liked from like everything you've done, the kind of the more (laughs) coronavirus factual stuff or the the TV stuff, like interviewing people or kind of your stuff at Cosmopolitan? Um, I think it's been like, I think I've been so lucky with my work life so far, considering I've only been doing it for like two years. Just in the fact that I've got to do like loads of different stuff, yeah. and, like really figured out what I do and don't like. And I love writing, I guess, like, like interest stories about, you know, like I have really enjoyed writing about coronavirus as well as that sounds, because I guess it's like, it's so in the moment, like it's, it's something that really matters. It's something people need to know about from like a public health standpoint and stuff like that. And, you know, just from like a journalistic, literally like putting like pen to paper from a journalistic standpoint, it's quite interesting. But like, what like you can and can't say because of like the law and stuff like that and being really careful with like what you say. But then also I, I do enjoy kind of like more social side of things, which I guess is the more like Cosmo side mm. about kind of like perceptions and, and like identities and stuff like that. I find very interesting. Yeah. Well, I think hopefully in like 10, 20 years when coronavirus is more of like a historic thing would be cool to be like oh yeah I worry about that yeah yeah definitely and I think I think coronavirus will become like a lot more interesting and less traumatic in like 10 to 20 years when people can actually like look at it and be like what happened like my god yeah when when like Netflix release a kind of six-part series on on the coronavirus yeah of 2020 or 2021 whatever probably can't because they can't monetize COVID <laughs> can you not <laughs> no, you really that's why we also get the shadow blocks on anything we tag covid with on any other episodes but i mean like oh. newspapers and magazines come right about and they're earning money from it isn't that wouldn't be the same similar as netflix yeah maybe but they may, there's, there's like rules around it like you can't so like anything on youtube for example can't be monetized if it's covid if it has covid oh, wow I suppose there's like so much like fake news and stuff. Yeah. So if people could just like make money by pumping out stuff about COVID, like it would just be so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I was also going to ask, like, do you do any kind of write, just like write for fun, like not work related? I used to do that quite a lot. I think when I was like finding my feet and I was kind of like writing about stuff that I wanted to basically like have a portfolio before I started yeah. work. But to be honest, cause I literally do it like day in, day out. I just, I really enjoy it, but I don't want to do it necessarily if I'm also like not getting paid for it. Yeah. 
and also because the type of journalism I like to do does involve like talking to people and kind of like kind of like having that audience as well and I don't feel like I would feel bad approaching people if it was just going to go on like a personal blog I know lots of people don't feel that way and that's like great but I wouldn't want to invest all that time necessarily when I already do it for a day job yeah no I get that if you do if you did writing like nine to five and then yeah. you don't really want to kind of come home and then write again or write more on the weekends or whatever exactly and like luckily at work I do kind of have the flexibility to kind of like if I've got like substance to what I want to write like I can prove that people would read it then I can write it it's like it's very it's very flexible so I do just do what I would guess I would do on a blog at work yeah no that's cool uh do you have like any kind of anything like key things that you've learned or like advice you'd give to kind of people that are kind of up and coming or want to become like kind of journalists it's such a hard industry so I would honestly just be like anyone that wants to do it and feels like they're not getting anywhere just like chill out like it's so like it's such a hard industry and you because there are so many people and it's such a small community as well because like you get on twitter and then there's like journalism twitter and you've got people who are like 19 years old who are writing for like vogue and places like that and it just like it can really get to you and you just start being like oh i'm never gonna make it like i might as well just like give up and do something else I think everyone kind of has a story to tell and everyone has something that makes would make them if they want to do it like a really good journalist and I think the world needs actual good journalists and not like clickbaity pushing a like you know it's like the state of like UK journalism is just like atrocious really so just having people that like want to almost like fight for the good in it like we we need more people like that in journalism so and it's like as we sort of like our generation that grows up and becomes those people I guess we're like pushing out that older like yeah older generations that are making it worse <laughs> some journalists on Twitter imagine you know because I see them um, <laughs> like something can happen and they've got like a tweet and an article out in like a second yeah based on what's happened i'm like how how have you and then they publish it before it's like really properly ready to go they'll probably like make it it's like you know you get those like bbc news breaking notifications and mm. it's like oh, more to this follow. one thing has happened like more to follow yeah to be fair i, I don't like it when they do that because that means i have to go back to a future date yeah <laughs> go back to an hour later what's been your favorite piece that you've written if any I I think there's been like quite a few to be honest. I think I've written pieces that I really I wrote one piece for Cosmo that got a lot of like backlash online. I was I was that was my next question. Like if you had any hate. Yeah, I got like horrifically trolled for like 24 hours, like really badly for this one piece. But it was about trans exclusionary radical feminists who are like women, like who call themselves feminists that don't believe like trans people are like valid and they exist and they especially like trans women are women and and then it has all sorts of like obviously like really uh dangerous like consequences in society for these people and I wrote about it for Cosmo and it was literally called like what are turfs and obviously like when you come for a group like that in a mainstream women's publication a group that like exist on like the underground like they come forward with views that people are like oh I get that like that kind of makes sense and then you like come for them on a on a big stage, they get very upset about that. <laughs> so, but it was like a super important article because a lot of people like had no idea what it was. And I think women's magazines have a responsibility to kind of be inclusive to all women. Otherwise, like they're just gonna die out because no one wants to really learn how to lose six stone in a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we, we actually talked about, yeah, how trans women were kind of being excluded from those groups in like a previous episode of ours. I think our Christmas, Christmas special. We had Melody Gold, so yeah, check that out. Yeah. How did you deal with that kind of, kind of the hate? Did it affect you or is it you just kind of... Nah. Like, I think it just like, you just sort of like get on with it, don't you? Mm. It's like Twitter is just, um, obviously like when it first, so I didn't realize the article went up and my editor was like, you know, I hope you don't get any like shit for this, like kind of thing. And then almost then like an hour later, it just blew up on Twitter. Like it just like absolutely blew up. And then I got another email from her at the same time as I got my first, like someone had found me because like, I don't use Twitter. Like I've had like not very nice experiences with it, with it in the past. So I'd like just got it again. So like I had like no followers, like nobody knew who I was. And then someone just like managed to find me. And then I just got like all these apps and it's just like, just people saying like completely like just ridiculous things that just proved my point over yeah. and over and over again. So it just really didn't, to be honest, like affect me that much. Yeah. I guess if it's like just stupid hate, it's like, yeah, it's just like hate for the, and, uh, the th- like these are fully grown adults. It's like get a life. This was at like seven o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> in the morning or in the evening? In the evening. It was like, go out, like enjoy your evening. Stop giving hate to like a random person on the internet. Did you like, reply get to anything? No, I got told to just like leave it. Like, did you um, silence it? Like, did you silence the notifications or something? No, I, I don't have like Twitter notifications on anyway. So I just like, and then occasionally it would just be like plus 20. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like. Wait, so anyway. you weren't tagged in the article, but they went and found you. So they could. <laughs> you. Yeah. On a Friday, seven o'clock. Yeah, literally. And then <laughs> there were people being like, I don't think this person like is a real person. Like I can't find them. And then someone else would be like at Grace Wall, <laughs> here she is. And I'd be like, oh my, oh gosh, my God, get a life. <laughs> Wait, this was before COVID. So that means on a Friday night, they were, they were yeah working. like they could be out they could be doing things with their lives but no they oh, were sat i don't know if i would have yeah i would have been so tempted i guess if you're told you can't reply but if, if i was in that position i don't know if i'd be like i'd want to do one witty reply yeah i'd want to get rude to like a couple and what, try and get a few retweets yeah. but <laughs> yeah no there were a couple because like people then start like making assumptions about you like mm. as a person because they don't know it like I locked down then all my other social media accounts and I had like just started in journalism. So there was nothing about me online. And I think that stopped a lot of the hate because people were just like, we know this person's a real person, but we don't know anything about them. And it's very difficult to like dox somebody you can't find. Like we can acknowledge that she's a real person, but like, who does she know? Like who else does she work for? Like how you can't tell someone's employers on them if they have no employer. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, no, it was fine to be honest. Like, it didn't really affect me that much. Yeah, that's good. Where where can people kind of listening kind of find your work? Um, so I have a website www.grace-walsh.com, and that's kind of where I I guess it's more of like a portfolio rather than a website. It's just where I put like a lot of my freelance pieces, and it's where you can find the work that I do at my normal job, my interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's mainly it. But, you know, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see like what I'm going to do in the in the future as well, because like I've done, I feel like I've done so much that yeah. I want to establish like a like a niche for myself, I guess, in the next couple of years. And I'm doing my NCTJ, which is the like qualification that you, like some people get to be a journalist that teaches you about like media law and stuff like that. So I'd definitely be interested in doing more kind of sensitive cases, like sensitive like work and stuff where you have to tiptoe around the law a bit to like report it. <laughs> No, that that sounds cool. I think yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it sounds like you've done like quite a lot, especially considering how recently you've been in it, and it hasn't necessarily been something that we've had like journalists on who've been like, 
I've been writing since I'm like 15 years old, 14 years old and always wanting to like do it kind of thing. Yeah. No, really wicked. Yeah. I, I would just honestly say like to anyone that wanted to get into it, like just do it as well. Like do you start that blog, like do it because then like you're doing it. Like don't wait for someone to give you the opportunity because like if you do that, then they probably won't. Like you just have to like be a bit of a, like at my internship at Cosmo, I literally followed one of the editors into a lift. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to like, you, you just have to push for like those opportunities, like those networking opportunities. Like I saw the one that I wanted to work with, like I saw her leaving and I was like, okay, run. <laughs> um, and just like got into the lift with her and just like started chatting. And I guess then she like realized who I was because, you know, like there they have a new like work experience person like every month. So you've got these like huge editors who manage these huge sections. Like they're not going to pay any notice to someone that's there for a month. So you've got to like push. So anyone that is interested, I would just be like push and don't feel like you're being like too pushy because you're probably not. Yeah. So yeah, something moving on a bit, like something we've kind of like mentioned a bit, the LGBTQ plus. Have I, have I got that? Oh, you missed that. You're getting slew, Darren. Uh, No, I think think I've got it. I think (laughs) I've got it. It is Pride Month. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't really know where to start. I mean, I guess me, I don't know like loads about Pride or Pride Month necessarily. I'm not sure about Hamish. But yeah, I don't really know where like to even start. What is Pride Month, I guess? So yeah, I mean, it's such, such a fair question because like I have so much, I guess it's one of the reasons why I want to talk about it because I have so much beef with Pride Month. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I feel like a certain type of way about it. But basically Pride Month is based around June 28th, which is the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which was, I guess, like not definitely not the beginning, but like the kind of the point in history that everyone remembers for like the gay rights movement. And it was basically where there's the Stonewall Inn in New York. And it's, it was quite a famous gay bar. This was in like 1969. Mm-hmm. And whereas it was at that point in the UK and the US, I'm pretty sure like it was legal to be gay, but there were so many limitations on it. So while you legally could do it, you couldn't do all these other things. So it was in fact like actually still illegal and the police raided this bar and I think it happened so so many times like these really violent police arrests and people just started fighting back basically and it led to like kind of like two weeks of protests and so Pride Month is kind of remembering that like time that's seen as this like pinnacle for the gay rights movement like around the world. Like Stonewall, the biggest like LGBT charity in the UK is like named after it. Like yeah, so Pride Month is basically kind of like remembering that so it was it was all legal and police still like came in yeah i mean i feel i definitely feel feel obviously like i should know this but yeah like i'm pretty sure it was illegal it was legal to be gay in the u.s before it was legal to be gay in the uk i feel like in the uk yeah yeah, that was in 1969 uh 1968 69 in the uk so whereas it was legal but it was like there was just so many limitations like you couldn't if there was any like activity between it was all all men, like women weren't really like by law criminalized, but like two men, you couldn't like be together as two men unless you were completely by yourselves. And that meant that like, you couldn't really like congregate and you couldn't, like you couldn't be two men by law that lived together because if you were having sex, then you lived in a building with other people and like someone could just walk in mm-hmm. and that was illegal, even though you'd be living in like your private flat and your private like yeah, so it was just like so many, so many limitations. Um, and I think as a result of that, like the police like really like came down hard on the communities and the Stonewall uprisings was basically that. And it was just like two weeks of just like riots and protests. And 
that's when the first like gay pride march was okay uh yeah i didn't know that <laughs> so. yeah yeah it's it's a really like fascinating bit of there's a book actually it's called queer london and it's that's about london and it's just about kind of because almost like when it was illegal you could get and people didn't know about it you could get away with more like you can actually live your life like out as a gay person but there wasn't so much like police i guess involvement in it yeah so it's almost like the more visibility the more hostility yeah so it's like it's no it's a really really fascinating part of history i literally could go on for hours I know you mentioned like stuff about like sex education previously and is that something maybe that could come into the curriculum teaching about like uh, that kind of history? Yeah I mean I would love to see it like I think at uni I know uh, definitely like goldsmiths do a um, module at master's level on like queer history but I'd love to see it kind of like brought be brought into more kind of like to be honest, I don't think it would ever be like part of the GCSE syllabus. And like, you know, when schools do teach about like the 60s, because yeah. it was a great, like huge, massive part of the 60s. And like, no one really talks about it. Yeah. And I noticed there you said queer history. I remember Mel saying like queer was always like always a term that was kind of seen as quite a derogatory term, but it's something that's been trying to be like reclaimed, I guess. Is that the correct term to use when? Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I think queer kind of refers to everything that just like isn't isn't straight. Like it's it's instead of ha- having to be, I guess, like LGBTQ plus and queer can be used like interchangeably. Yeah. Just when and I was I saying LGBTQ plus, kind of, it sounded a bit. I was like, yeah, it was a mouthful. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you literally spend like half your life just saying the acronym. Like, so it's just like I guess queer is just like a really good like catchall term, and some people choose to identify as queer rather than be like i'm gay because they just prefer the word i guess i was gonna say if they don't teach this in schools like earlier on and it just creates people naturally that are like how do i say it like unknowingly like against it or like being you know because they don't understand better so like i'd say in our school you're like i don't think there was anyone that was gay because you'd probably get like just roasted or anything because that just wasn't a thing where you were but when i went to uni i was like oh so this is like it's not a joke. This is like, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is like a real thing. And then obviously like people wouldn't say anything, but I was just like, imagine if they taught that in school, like at least you'd be aware of it. You know, you wouldn't just be like kind of like slowing people left, right, center or using it just casually like, oh, you're gay for saying that or whatever. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Like I, I think times have like have really changed between kind of like when we went to school there was still like a lot of that like I went to an all-girls school and it was like always like oh you like leather looking at me in the changing rooms and like like boys like being like oh my god that's so gay like Hmm. you know like all of that and I I think that um like my brother's six years younger than me and he used to he was like oh my god that's so gay and I'm like oh my god (laughs) it's like 20 20 like whatever it was like 19 at the time like why are we still saying this but yeah, because like they don't teach that stuff in schools. Like I don't think I was ever taught that like it even existed. Like I think the first person I ever like acknowledged that was gay was like my mum's business partner had like two friends who were men who were like in their like older, like kind of like in their sixties, these two like fabulously gay men. And those were the first people I'd ever met. Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're like two men. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, and I guess because like, you are just unless you're taught about it from like a young age you do just have that instant like no like 
Yeah. You know, I, th- I think kids yeah. do because it's not something they recognize. There's so many like rumors and, you know, it's like why sex education is so important because if you're just like hearing things about stuff from your friends, nine out of 10 times, it's not going to be accurate. Like, mm. and it's the same, like, so you're completely right. I think just actually acknowledging stuff in schools and talking about it because I definitely thought there wasn't anyone who was gay at my school, but obviously there was me, there was like two other girls and we all just came out so much later. I don't think we were hiding it at the time, but I just think we weren't aware that it was even a possibility. You're not forced to confront those or you don't know it exists. Yeah. I went to an all, all boys school and I remember there being one, one boy in particular who was like really like quiet, really quiet kid. I wasn't like that close friends to him. But I remember him being like, people would ask him, I, they they knew he was gay and they were like, are you gay? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, open, like I guess he was open, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I wasn't close to him, so I don't really know. But I can't imagine like how hard that must have been for him. Or like Looking back yeah. at it now, I'm like, it's like really cool for him to like just been open about it, like in an all guys school, especially considering kind of how much he must have oh been my God, yeah. taking the piss out of. Yeah, I just think there's, there's so like, and it comes like hand in hand, doesn't it? Because it's like, if you're like, especially in those kind of like, all boys and all girls environments like if you're a boy and you're slightly like effeminate then everyone's just like oh like you're gay you're gay like and then it just presents it because it's like just like different to you I guess as well like if kids were taught that it was actually just okay to be like different then it wouldn't be so much of an issue but because like now when I'm sat down with like a group of all like straight women and they're talking about boys, like it's not an issue. Like mm-hmm. it, they don't like single me out and be like, oh my God, like you're weird, you're different, like at all. But I think if I'd come out at school, that definitely would have happened because it just, and people just like don't understand it as well. Like if it's different to you, some people just feel like they can't understand it. Yeah. Also at uni level, there's like consequences because you're 18, but apparently we should have known about it or should have been open to it. And then also like other people may not be adaptable because for like 18 years in their life, they've just been, you know, taught that you have to be straight. So like they may not be as adaptable to this. So that's why there may be hatred towards whoever. And like they could kind of resolve it by obviously teaching it way, way younger. Yeah. And I think it's just about like just kind of putting everyone on a level playing field as well. Because if you have grown up in like quite strict, like religious community, like you've gone to a really religious school or like it's very like culturally different. Like England is just like a fantastic like melting pot of all these different like cultures and and religions and everything like that. But as a result, like obviously some communities are more like smaller than others. And it's not someone's fault if they get to the age of 18 and then they've never been taught even like what being gay is or like whether it's like a good thing or a bad thing or whatever. And then they get to uni and it's like all these people who have had that exposure growing up. Like it's not their fault that then they would be a bit like, oh, don't know about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how how was your experience like coming out? I was like very lucky to be honest because like I grew up in London. I think if I'd grown up in like the deepest, darkest parts of Yorkshire, it would have been yeah. a bit different as well. Like even geographically, it's so much different. Like I was I was absolutely fine. Like members of my family, I think knew before I did. Like so did my friends. Yeah, I to be honest, like had a very easy experience. It wasn't really a big issue for me. I had a boyfriend for like six months and I was like, no, oh, really? that's not for me. <laughs> like bless, I love him so much. And he's one of my like really good friends to this day. Oh, okay, we just cool, like cool. laugh about it now. Yeah. No, but I was just like, how could, no. <laughs> how, how old are you? <laughs> like 16. 16. Okay. And so were, were you with him at the time? Like when you were like, yeah. when you came out? 
Yeah, basically. So I broke up with him to come out. Okay. And I was just like, I was really like, oh my God, it's not you, it's me. And he was like, yeah, like everyone says that. And I was like, no, honestly, <laughs> I promise you. Yeah, well, there's, there's a like, joke I've seen like films and TV shows where it's like, yeah. oh, you, you're such a bad boyfriend that she now likes with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure he was like, kind of like, yeah, people, friends of his must have like, yeah, rinsed him for it. Oh yeah. And I think people still do. Like, I think he, we, we like met up at Christmas and we were having a chat and he was like, you know, people like when I told my friends at uni yeah. that I had a girlfriend that then came out, they were like, Oh, you must be really shit in bed yeah. and like all of this. And I was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, that's just not how it works. Like it's actually nothing. Like you are the least important person in this equation. Yeah. Like it's actually got nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Going, going back to like Pride Month, mm. you mentioned you have like a bit of beef with it. So like, to yeah, me, what do you mean by yeah, because to me, it's just like, it just seems like, yeah, June 28th or the month, like people yeah. go for like a parade and like celebrate it and stuff. So it seems like quite like innocent to me. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. I think, you know, it's out of COVID gay pride in London would have been on like the like 7th and 8th of July is normally. Mm. And that's like fantastic. Like it's a, an amazing weekend, really, really brilliant for visibility. And I think that's what makes it, you know, like you ha- in big cities, like you are just a lot more visible, like the whole of like Oxford Street gets shut down and there's all these people like going about like holding hands and like everything like that. But my, I think beef with Pride Month is like, you know how like companies all change their banners and stuff to like rainbows i think that's where my issue with it starts obviously like it's great that a month like this exists and people are like but what are people actually doing because if all you're doing is like stamping a rainbow flag on your logo my favorite one to talk about this is like pfizer so if you go onto pfizer's twitter page they've got like oh my god it's like a slap in the face with a rainbow like it's it's there's so much of it and there's all like we support our employees to be like you know who they are at work and all of this but Pfizer donated almost was like nine hundred thousand dollars to anti-LGBT politicians in the US in 2019 okay so they've just you know it's just it's like they've they've been like oh we signed the equality act we make sure that on our private like healthcare plans that same-sex partners can also be included and like all of this but then they donate like a million pounds to people that are actively making queer people's lives harder in a very very serious way Mm. like not you know in like putting in laws to stop them being able to do things and I just think that's ridiculous like how can you can you say that you're pro like you support the LGBT community when you're funding people who are making like lives harder I just think it's ridiculous and that just happens so often like there are some some companies that do it like you've got like um like H&M is they they donate a lot of their money from their pride stuff to charities but it's those big American like corporations that front it so much just like don't do anything yeah, I just had a look at Pfizer's uh, Twitter page and yeah, it's got like changed the logo and stuff. I remember who, uh, yeah. Monzo, I think Monzo have. Yeah, Monzo have. And it's like, I, I completely understand why people think it's think it's good because it's like awareness, isn't it? But people only as well started doing this, I guess, like recently when they realised that like nine out of 10 people wouldn't be offended. I'd, like, I, I don't doubt that if um, companies thought they'd lose money by putting yeah. a rainbow flag on something, they wouldn't do it. That is a key thing. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's all about money. That's what the like. Well, that's what the queer community needs. We, you need money to fund projects and like support groups and 
and just to make lives easier. Like you don't need person wearing like a love is love t-shirt and H&M, you know? Do you think if they didn't do stuff like that though, they'd also get people on the other side being like, oh, why aren't you doing it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think they probably would, but I'd then, because it's like you have like Apple, for example, Mm. like Apple is a really good example of this. So they don't do anything. Like I, I don't know what they're doing this year, but historically like they've never participated in pride parades definitely in the UK I'm not sure about the US like they've never changed all their logos like they've never done anything but the money they make from their rainbow wristbands does actually go to LGBT causes they have a whole they donate loads and loads of money to different charities Apple do but you never hear about it they don't put out like a huge press release and start changing their logos and and it's it's great to see that support but you can only have so much awareness before you actually need like tangible like help I guess and all these companies have so much money that the best thing to do would just be to hand some of it over rather than like stamping a logo because like people now know that gay people exist like yeah. Well, the, the the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, came out as gay. I don't think it was even that long ago either that he came out. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that is a cool point because I, I guess I haven't really even thought of it. Like I, I see people, companies doing that, and I'm kind of just like, oh, that's, that's nice to see them kind of supporting it. But you don't even think of it. You don't really think of it's them just being a bit hypocritical. Yeah, it's like at the end of the day, like companies are making money from rainbow washing their stuff because people do look at them like oh wow you're so inclusive you know they're making money by putting a rainbow flag on things because now it's like an acceptable thing to do now it's like a positive like a really positive thing to do like no one was doing this in the 70s do you know what I mean like but I mean I I do think that some organizations can really make a difference by like coming forward in pride month and being like you know like football teams if kind of like premiership like football teams came forward even if it was just in pride month and be like you know we do not tolerate homophobia transphobia like all of this and made like a real massive stance on it then that would make a real like a real difference because if like someone's like favorite football team is coming yeah. forward and it's just like don't be a dick to gay people and you've got these big you know hyper like masculine men being like it's okay to be gay then i do think that does make a difference and stuff like that does happen in pride month but I do think like the corporate rainbow washing is probably yeah. a bit more prominent. Well, I think it's mad. Like I thought about it like a few times, like there's no, like if I told you to name a football player who's like come out as gay, there hasn't been really not, not like a big, a big name anyway. Yeah. And that seems a bit like crazy to me. Like there's surely there must, the amount of professional footballers in the Premier League and even lower leagues internationally as well. Like, yeah, there must be. It's the same in all sports. It's like rugby, again, is really, really bad for it. And I I get it because it's like, if you're a member of a team, like you want all people on the same team as you to be the same as you, I guess, for that kind of, and I think both football, rugby, probably like cricket and just like all the other sports have just this, you know, like super masculine, super, you know, image to kind Mm. of protect. And and I think also because they just like, you risk your career, it's a bit like actors. Like, not so much anymore. I actually think that, like, a lot of actors and musicians have made money from coming out. But I think a lot of footballers would probably still do quite substantial damage to their career if they came out. Mm. The thing is, as well, I'm just like, if someone comes out as gay, like, what's your problem? Like, like why is another person complaining? Like, did they did they say something to you that was like, what <laughs> you? Like, like, I don't understand. I'm sure there's, like, a hundred other things you could do instead of be offended with someone else just yeah. saying they're gay. Like, do you know what I mean? Exactly. 
Exactly. So it's just like, you know, like football and lots of sports are doing really, really great work at the moment with like men's mental health. I watched the England game, um, the England-Scotland game. And like, I don't know whether you guys watched it as well. It's like after each of the breaks, it was like, get Scotland talking or something like that, which I feel like was a mental health thing. Yeah. And I think men's sports teams, you know, you've got a lot of football players who've come out and spoken about like um, online hate and like discrimination and stuff like that. And those are all like such, such, such important topics, but it has shown that it can be done. If you've got Marcus Rashford coming out talking about like racism and kind of like online hate, it's making people think about it and be like, actually, you know, racism, discrimination, like men's mental health, all subjects we really, really need to talk about and really address. And I think sport and is one of the industries that has has the chance to really do that. Yeah. So as well as those issues it'd be great to kind of see them do a bit more like the England cricket team I saw a picture like went out to one of their games with like slogans on their back to be like no they were like no to racism like no to homophobia like no to transphobia or something like that yeah I I feel like I've seen football gaming in the last couple years where everyone wore kind of um rainbow laces or rainbow armbands or something like that I can't remember where you ever had the rainbow laces at uni Aaron I bought so. them, but I didn't end up putting them in my shoes, but I bought them because like basically when we played, we were encouraged to do it to like allow people to at least one of your laces to do it. But the thing was do, undoing your laces and then, you know, redoing the laces was so, <laughs> like, so I never yeah. did it, but I, st- I still have the laces till this day, but it's just because I couldn't even bother switching it into my shoe. Yeah, um, no, for sure. I think it yeah. was... um. It's called like, I forgot what it's called, but yeah, the rainbow laces are like a really big thing. And like New Zealand rugby team a couple of years ago, their kit, it was actually really cool. So when obviously in rugby, like people pull their t-shirts and stuff like that. And when you pulled the t-shirt, it was like in the fibers of the t-shirt, it was like a rainbow. Yeah. That looked pretty sick. Yeah. And that's like, obviously just like a massive PR stunt, but it's the New Zealand rugby team. These are like some of the hardest guys in the world. No, that's cool. Yeah. And and sports people, yeah, they're like, incredibly influential was it only this week Cristiano Ronaldo hit 300 million on Instagram it's like the, the yeah definitely 300 million million oh, yeah on Instagram sick, yeah so. and it's like did you see his stunt not stunt but like the thing that he did with the oh yeah, yeah. Bottles? I see I don't think it was a stunt from him no because no, I no. generally think he's like that about like fizzy drinks and like he's takes care of himself yeah, like incredibly yeah. well but it's turned into like a almost a positive PR stunt for Coca-Cola for those who aren't in touch with the world like this, what what are we talking about? Oh, so like at a um, press conference, like Ronaldo, they, so when the footballers sit down, they get given like drinks and there's like a bottle of water, like Coke, like the mic. Heineken, like the sponsors. Heineken. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Ronaldo literally just like moves the Cokes to the other side of the thing and was just like, then said in Portuguese, like Agua or something. Yeah. So it's like drink water. This is what Patrice Ever was taking the piss off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tagged, okay, yeah. That may, that and then Paul Pogba did, because uh, he doesn't drink alcohol. So when he came to his profit comrade, he moved the Heineken out of the way. And then there's just been like this running joke where players have like now, or some players are coming and open the Coke straight away and started like drinking it. And I think Coca-Cola lost, they went down in stock price after Ronaldo did it for a bit. Yeah, by like 4 billion. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's also kind of, I don't know. I think it's helped. it's also been a kind of positive PR stunt as well, in a sense. Yeah, I think I think that's good because like I haven't drank fizzy drinks in a few years, yet, and I'm just like, <laughs> if you don't drink fizzy drinks, yeah, I feel like you're in so much of a better state, anyways. Even if it's like diet Coca drink, I feel it's like it's unnecessary. So like that can hopefully be good, but then peak for Coca Cola. 
but not, not yeah. that they care about a lot yeah. of things anyway so yeah so it's like people really have like a big chance to kind of like make an impact and and i don't know if it's being done by like everybody also before we carry on can we just clarify that you have beef with the companies putting the flags on their logos or whatever and not the actual pride month concept please. yeah 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 no but I mean like obviously it's just like I feel like if you ask any LGBT person what they think of Pride Month I think most of them will be like yeah it's great but it's just like a little sigh before because it's like you know so it's turned into like a kind of a trend or like a commercial thing like yeah it's, it's also like you know it's a great month to bring awareness to all these stuff um, to like all the issues I think that if there was actual real tangible action that happened in Pride Month like if the hugely transphobic UK media for example were like you know what we're gonna actually publish an article by a trans person about being trans mm. today that would be a positive a positive step like if you know companies were like for Pride Month we're going to donate like four million pounds to like the Trevor Project who support like HIV research. We're going to, you know, if people actually like took hard steps because it was Pride Month to change things or to like took time to educate themselves and stuff like that, then it would be a really positive thing. But I just think people are, I think any LGBT person would probably just be like a little sigh because like, this is our life like we don't have pride for like a month Mm. like we have to live the reality of like and I'm incredibly privileged like I'm literally like one of probably the most privileged groups in the LGBT community and I do feel you go through life being gay it's not like one month where you're like oh like rainbow flags out and it's so to have one month where people actually don't really do anything Mm. is just a little bit eye-rolling so I think I would have less beef with it as a month if people actually did something you know like if people actually took the time to educate themselves you know the world is is changing so much and we've got so many more rights than we ever have done before most most of us america and the uk are like rolling back trans rights at the rates of like million miles an hour but like you know like gay and bisexual men can now donate blood so there's less like healthcare discrimination and things like that. So I think, yeah, like I have beef with the companies, but I think I also have beef with the sort of PR stunt mm. almost that is Pride Month because I don't know how much is being done to actually lessen discrimination for the people that do Pride 365 days a year. Yeah. Yeah, I was just checking like some of the um, big outlets, as you said, the ones that are basically don't say anything about it. And there's literally, well, I was just checking like the first few big ones. There was literally nothing on the homepage about anything related to it as well. Yeah, exactly. Like some companies, you know, I would say it's like the big US ones that are particularly guilty of kind of donating to these big anti-LGBT politicians because they do things like support the biopharmaceutical industry. Like that's why Pfizer donated to them. But like some companies I think do, yeah, like I think like Vans and Converse and a lot of like clothing brands basically donate money. A lot more like younger places that have more younger influences inside it. Yeah. I feel like are more adaptable to these things and like are more you know, like they're more on it than these older places where they only have old people, like you know, sitting on the yeah, exactly, exactly on the, on the top. So you can and you can see the difference in companies, right? Like you could use, you'll see it. Like you wouldn't see the big corporations doing it unless it's a PR stunt. But the other ones, whereas they're adapting to it, they even maybe release products for it, like or something, or like the products can build in like 
what which there was a shoe thing that comes with like rainbow laces but i don't know what company it is it may be vans or what's the other one yeah. that looks like vans the pimples converse the pimples uh like. converse I don't know. One of them, I think, yeah, comes with rainbow laces. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think they both release like ranges of shoes. I, I remember like this year, one of the, like, they're like a toy manufacturer, like a toy train manufacturer released a like pride train. Like, I, you know, it's, it's such like a niche reference, but this is just, I, I'm sure so many other companies do this, but these guys just got called out for it. They released like a train and it said like love wins or something on the side. And someone on Twitter was like, so are you donating any money from this to any? And they were like, no, we're not doing that right now, but we'll definitely do that in the future. And it's like, okay, so you've- They're selling a product. Slapped a, but like the yeah, you're selling the product and you're making money off, like, do, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's stuff like that that's like, you know, LGBT rights have been so hard won, like no one gave them willingly. And so now companies are making money off them when, and especially if they've never helped contribute to like the fight as it were, like, how dare you? Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. So it was also, it was Converse. They have a collection called Converse Pride. I won't lie. One of the designs looks lit, <laughs> but like yeah. I wouldn't wear it because it looks like a pimsel. I'm not paying like, you know, more than two pounds for a pimsel. Like, I don't know if yeah. you're just be a school. No, I mean, yeah. 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 I have absolutely no issue with companies putting out like rainbow, like merch and everything like that. As long as they donate the profits to like LGBT charities. I feel like style comes into it as well. Like some of these places need to just like, you know, just step up the style game. If you're <laughs> representing the gays. <laughs> I, I found a, um, a quiz online. How well do you understand pride? Is that Buzzfeed? It is a Buzzfeed one. Oh, I feel like I've no, really not badly at this I, I always find Buzzfeed one because they're just they're just easy, or well, not easy, but mm. they're just easy to like click through. Sponsor us soon, please. See, so, yeah, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be cool for us to try it. Yeah, I don't know if I'd know much, but at least I'll, I'll learn something. I probably don't know like any of these answers, and it's <laughs> like, really bad. I'm just like slagging off all these companies, and I'd be like, I don't know. So first one is what does L in this is multiple choice, so I'll like give the like potential okay, answers nice. as well. What does the L in LGBTQ stand for? Lesbian, lady, or liberation? Lesbian, right? I would have guessed lesbian. I almost. But the liberation one, like, is like, like maybe ooh, liberation it? of it would make sense, like in one sense. But I was like, no, it's 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 lesbian, yeah, because it's like so the I you know I don't want to answer any of the next questions, but like yeah, so it's like lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, plus. Yeah, it says the acronym, which is which has evolved and become more inclusive over time, was popularized in the 80s. So it says, in the US, what month is Pride typically celebrated? June, July, or August? It's June, right? June. Yeah. So what dates are Pride Month, actually, like, in all seriousness? Like, it ends 28th June or starts 28th June? Ends 28th of June, so it's just, like, for the whole month of June. But then the 28th of June is the date of, like, the Stonewall riots. So, like, because it was, like, 4 a.m. on the 28th of June was when... um. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of like, kind of like, almost like urban legends around the Stonewall riots. Every year, people talk, uh, Marsha P. Johnson, who is a really, really famous trans activist at the Stonewall riots. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh, she threw like the first brick and like all of this. And there's actually like no proof that that happened. <sighs> it was actually it sounds, sounds cool. like, it's like a bit of a legend. Yeah, no, it's a great story. But like, actually, she came forward and she was like, was it, it wasn't oh, me? No. And everyone's like, no, it was you. <laughs> it was that? you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this, this says, yeah, correct. Pride events are typically held in June to commemorate the anniversary of the Stonewall riots in 1969. Okay, this one is, which country holds the record for the world's largest pride parade? Is it USA, the Netherlands, or Brazil? This, is, this was done in, um, this quiz is 2020. So I don't know if it's changed, but yeah, USA, Netherlands, or Brazil. I was in Netherlands for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, like Amsterdam Pride is massive, absolutely huge. I feel like I would surely like New York's one or San Francisco would be the biggest. Yeah, like San Fran, I would say. I'm going to go the US. Okay, so here's the Netherlands. I'm also going to go US, just because I've been to San Francisco one, and it'd be cool to say I went to the largest one. So (laughs) it's not the USA, and it's not the Netherlands either. Oh my god! Brazil. So Brazil broke the Guinness World Record for the largest pride parade in 2009 with a whopping 4 million. Yeah, they they had 4 million in 2009, which seems a long time ago as well. Wait, so 2009, they're not even doing... It's a 2020 quiz. I was like, 2020? Because I felt like I heard about Netherlands and like a pride thing. So I thought it was like, you know, more accepted there. Next one is what year did the first pride marches occur? 1969. 1970 or 1971 69 was when the stonewall riots happened yeah i'm gonna go with 1969 but so did the the pride march happen that same same year or is it yeah i yeah i think so it says you're wrong (laughs) yeah i know i knew it it says 1970 the christopher street liberation day march was Uh, held in new york a year after stonewall riots similar marches were also held in chicago san francisco and los angeles yeah, so I think that the Stonewall riots were like started in 1969, but then I guess like the prop, like the first march was a year later on the anniversary. Next one is a true or false. It's 50-50. The, the Stonewall Inn was New York's only gay bar in 1969. No. No? It can't have been, it's surely. False. Yeah, no, there were, there were loads. Yeah, yeah false. The Stonewall Inn wasn't the only gay bar in New York City at the time. Bars like Starlight Lounge and Mayfair Bar and Grill were also popular. Mayfair Bar and Grill. I know. (laughs) Okay, which important gay rights event happened after the Stonewall riots? The National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, the Sipping at Judius's, and the Cooper Donuts riot. I'm going to go with the March on Washington. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what the other two were. No, neither do I, to be honest. Yeah, we were, we were correct. Yeah. The first Washington march for LGBTQ rights took place in 1979. Oh, he says, it's estimated that 200,000 people marched with the aim of accomplishing five key goals, many of which remain unmet. Right. I've, I've clicked on a link. Uh, the, fo- the demands were, one, pass a comprehensive lesbian gay rights bill in Congress. Two issues a presidential executive order banning discrimination based on sexual orientation, repeal all anti-lesbian gay laws, end discrimination in lesbian mother and gay father custody cases, and protect gay and lesbian youth from any laws which are used to discriminate against, oppose or harass them in homes, schools, jobs and social environments. Yeah, so like loads of those haven't, I mean, especially the last one has, yeah, definitely not happened. Yeah, and I think there's, yeah, America is a bit funny. Mm-hmm. Ones. Next question is, who has never been credited with throwing the first brick at Stonewall? <laughs> Sylvia Rivera. I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right. 
Marsha P. Johnson or Larry Kramer? So definitely Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, probably. People definitely think that Marsha P. Johnson threw the first Wait, brick. not actually through bricks, just to clarify. At the, at the... Yeah, yeah, like for oh, okay, like... Okay. I thought you said they were just accused of it and I was like, oh, fair. No, so yeah, like people say, so bricks were thrown. It was like a riot. Like it was a huge, like massive, like bricks thrown. Police, you know, attempted to be beaten up. Like massive, massive riot. And yeah, everyone says that Marsha P. Johnson threw the first brick but it was probably a white gay man, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and because also like, you've got, you've got to think about like, she, she definitely like climbed up a lamppost and dropped something on a police car windshield and it shattered. That definitely happened. But like a butch, like lesbian woman is thought to have like actually kicked off the riots by like fighting back against the police. And then everyone else joined in because also you've got to think about like the, like the context of the situation who is likely to like, throw a brick at the police without like immense fear for their own life as mm. well and also if like marsh p johnson did throw the first brick she's not gonna like come yeah. out and announce it <laughs> yeah. um well this yeah. this one is who has yeah. never been credited with it so i'd say the last larry like, larry, larry kramer. kramer the name rings a bell but i don't know yeah i don't i don't know who it but yeah correct playwright and activist mm. larry kramer yeah, and he says stuff about Pop Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera both being credited. Next one, what does GLF stand for? There's Gay Livelihood Fund, Gay Lesbian Front, or Gay Liberation Front. I know which one it definitely is. I am clueless. <laughs> GLF. I don't think it's gay. I don't think I it's the first one. For liberation. I don't, I don't think it's liberation Livelihood just Fund. Makes it sound... But I'm not sure. The word liberation just makes it like, you know. Yeah. Makes that sound. I'll go liberation as well. What what one is it? Liberation. Yeah, gay liberation front. Yeah, the GLF was the first LGBTQ activist organization formed after Stonewall and organized the marches that would eventually become known as Pride. Yeah. So in London, there's a bookshop called Gays the Word in Bloomsbury. It's great. And the owner of that in like the 1980s joined, got a group of like gays and lesbians together, and it was like gays and lesbians for the minors during the miners' strikes and they all went up to Wales and like joined all the miners because they were like, Thatcher is obviously like, it's like shitting on gay people and on the miners. <laughs> so they were like combined forces and there's a really great film about it that's called, that's called Pride that I would really recommend yeah. and it's all about like the gay liberation front in the UK. Awesome. Next question is, where did the rainbow flag debut? San Francisco, New York or London? I'm going to go with San Francisco. Oh uh, yeah, that's what, it sounds like yeah. a San Francisco thing. Yeah. Yeah, San Francisco. Created by local artist Gilbert Baker. Man like. Okay, this one. I'm going to have to share my screen. It says, which flag is this? So I'll describe it for the listeners. There's four stripes horizontally. And it goes black, grey, white, purple. And it says asexual pride, bisexual pride, or transgender pride. I think it's one of the first two, but I have no idea which. I don't think it's. I think it's the first one, to be honest. I don't know why I just think it's the first one. Yeah, that's the, pride. that's the asexual pride flag. It is? Yeah. I thought the transgender one had more colour in it or something. Yeah, no, it's like a, the transgender one is like blue, white and pink. It's really funky. Okay, yeah. So it says each of the four colours have a different meaning. Black for asexuality, grey for demisexuality, white for allies and purple for community. And last one is who is often referred to as the mother of pride? Stefan Stevens, Donaldson, Eric. Rofes? 
Well, you wouldn't refer to the guy as the mother. Surely it would have to be the Brenda Howard, right? Because it says mother of pride. Yeah, but that, that, I don't know. I know, but yeah. Does it, yeah, it doesn't mean that. It's it is a man. trick question for people like me. I actually, to be honest, have never heard of any of those three people. So I'm going to go for Brenda as well. I'll bet I will go for Brenda, but I'll bet it's not Brenda. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, going to be Stefan. Eric. Oh, no, it is. Oh, like, oh. Yeah. Brenda Howard, a.k.a. The Mother of Pride, was a bisexual activist in New York who typically credited with creating and popularizing the term pride. Nice one. Yeah. Nine out of 11, that's not bad. You scored yeah. better than 94% of all other quiz takers. You're a proud pride expert. Amazing. Sick, we didn't have grace with us here, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we take it, we take it. Any, any, any victories we can get. No, that's awesome. Before we like tie off the episode, I know there was um, kind of half associated that you mentioned like nightlife not being able to reopen in London. You said it was like kind of loosely associated with the Pride stuff. Yeah. So, so Pride this year is, I mean, Brighton Pride, I think has definitely been cancelled. I think because they put our big announcement kind of like, I think back in sort of March time when we were still in lockdown, basically like it's definitely happening, like get your tickets, like all of this stuff. And actually I think Brighton Pride has now been cancelled for sure. I'm not sure about London Pride because whereas Brighton Pride is very enclosed, it's basically like a festival, like logistically, I guess there'd be less chance for like social distancing and Brighton Pride gets in these like huge acts, like they get like Ariana Grande and like Britney Spears and people like that. So I think so much more money goes into it, whereas London Pride is just the parade that goes down Oxford Street and then all the bars and stuff start charging like mental prices for their drinks. That is like, (laughs) that is like London Pride, but it's a lot more open, like it's not closed off. So I guess like social distancing wise, it'd be easier to go ahead. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to kind of like, because the announcement about how we weren't going to like open everything up was just kind of the other day, just about like the importance of like, like queer like spaces and like especially like queer nightlife because like I was just walking down the street the other day and like so many places are closed like so many pubs and clubs and like when I was in Bristol I went like two weeks before the pandemic and and loads of the places that were open then have now closed and there are so how it kind of links to pride is there's so like few quiz like there's one lesbian bar in London like one really and it's in, yeah yeah that I know of and I feel like I would know <laughs> if there was other ones where is it in Soho it's called She Bar and it's tiny, like you would just walk past it like without even noticing mm. it was there. And kind of the decline of like queer spaces has been definitely going on for years, kind of like as more as the internet has got bigger, because people don't, I guess, like need them as much to kind of meet people. And as there have been more kind of LGBT people haven't needed them as safe spaces so much because it's become more acceptable to be like with a same sex partner in like a, a normal bar. So it's just kind of like the impact of the pandemic on these spaces, like it's going to be quite terrifying, I think, because so many, and there aren't that many to start with, they're going to have to close down, I reckon. Do you prefer going to like just a regular bar or like a gay bar, a queer bar? I like, I love going to like, I love going to a gay bar. Like I love going to, like there's a couple like in Birmingham, like when I went to, when I was at Warwick, like there's a couple in Birmingham, there's like one in Coventry, there's like loads in Manchester. Mm -hmm. I do not like particularly one over the other because like I say, like I can kind of, I can go out with my girlfriend and like, I live in London as well, like most bars and stuff in London and like, it's completely fine. But you do just obviously feel like so much more comfortable also, it's like, I like being around like other gay people. Like, I like it that if my bartender is like, 
day, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just like it, you know, it just, it does obviously just make you relax so much more because you, in a, in a norm, like a straight bar, I guess you don't know who's around you. And so I guess I don't, but I, I do enjoy it. Yeah. Massively. And that they're just becoming fewer and fewer. And I guess as the community becomes bigger and bigger, you do get commercialized gay bars like GAY in London is like fantastic but on any given night there's probably more straight women in there than mm. like anyone else <laughs> and so it's yeah but I, I i just i wonder what like the impact of the pandemic is going to be on nightlife in general and particularly queer nightlife because so much of it is now like club nights so there's one mm. particularly for women in london called lick and it's set up by i guess she's kind of like an influencer but she's like a nightlife kind of she does these these events and they've had to like postpone their events and these are like events that cost like hundreds and hundreds of pounds to run and if they just keep being moved because of the pandemic like are they gonna ever open again mm. yeah i i, I don't know I, i'm quite i'd be hopeful about it but you you might have more more of a scoop than than i do yeah, I mean, I'm really hopeful to go. I was talking to one of my friends about all the places we want to go and I just hope they open up again. Were there plans to reopen and then after the announcement of it being delayed for weeks, it's now like undefined kind of thing? Or has it always just kind of been, we'll see what happens? Yeah, I think some of them are, like some of the nights have just been postponed. But hmm. I think the problem with that is you do get a lot of, you know, if you sold like 200 tickets to an event and then you're moving it someplace in like three months time, like people might have plans. They're going to ask for refunds. Yeah. By constantly moving it and making the situation so uncertain, you're not giving those, you know, like night nightclub, like bars, you're not giving any certainty. And it's also just like logistical stuff. It's like ordering in drinks. Like I've got a pub 30 seconds from my flat. So I go to it like all the time. And I was talking to the manager there the other day and he was just like, yeah, like we're really when they were opening, I bumped into him like in lockdown, he was like sorting something out in the pub and he was like, yeah, we're not going to do what we did last time and just like buy in all the beer and then have to close down again and basically like pour it down the sink Mm. because just like logistically, it just costs so much money. And that's just like, that's like a Green King pub. Do you know what I mean? So like what chance does like a tiny, like queer run bar in like anywhere have have a chance? Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I don't know. In a month's time, by late July, I hope, I hope it's uh, a lot of stuff will be reopened. Hopefully, awesome. Yeah. So, how I mentioned in the plan beforehand, we have some like final questions that we ask each guest, and the first one for you is, what would be your death row meal? Well, I was actually thinking about this, and like obviously Maddie was was uh, on the show as well, and I think maybe like I don't know if she answered this question but when we were in Italy there was a um like a restaurant like opposite this over the other side of the street from our flat and we used to go to it like all the time because obviously like living in Rome was difficult life is just difficult like everyone is like mean <laughs> like all very Italian like we were at uni like some days you just come home and you'd be like all I want is like a pizza and a glass of wine so we basically like lived in this like Italian place and it was like super authentic like paper tablecloths like really bright lights no tourists in there like we were the only English people speaking people that ever came in there and they do like it's called a soupli and it's it's basically an arancini but it's basically like rice with mozzarella cheese um Mm. deep fried and it's like incredible it's like the best thing ever so like one of those to start and then i'd have like a quattro formaggi pizza 
and oh my god it was just the best pizza they just like thin crust like loads of cheese like different cheeses when one of us had had a bad day it was just like the go-to mm. it was just like let's go we'll get a table and then we'd have like a bottle of wine and then they always did like a homemade like tiramisu dessert nice. and then when you pay the bill they just like slap a bottle of limoncello on the table sorry what like kind of dessert is that is that like what, what, what is it? have you not heard of tiramisu no Oh my god, it's so good. It's like coffee, mascarpone, sponge-like yes, yeah. And then it's like soaked in some sort of alcohol, like um, amaretto, maybe? So, no. Yeah, that's probably... Yeah, it's really good. And it's like, this was all like homemade and like super authentic and just like, oh my god, like you could literally be having the worst day in the world and this place would just like cheer you up. So I feel like if I was on death row, I'd probably <laughs> need to be cheered up. And so it was always just like the go-to. Yeah, so like Supli, Quattro Formaggi, bottle of wine and a tiramisu, always. Yeah, see, I think Maddie did ask, answer this question and I'm pretty sure she just said like a Turkish kebab or something, yeah. like from a kebab <laughs> place. <laughs> I feel like it was like the whole, but the whole like order from like a night out when you get like a, go for a kebab or something. I think I might be mistaken. Though. Yeah, to be fair. I mean, I also love a Five Guys, so I would definitely, <laughs> this would definitely be my go-to, go-to meal. Because we'd always go and like Maddie would always be like, so like, what wine are we getting? I was like, obviously we're getting red. Like, don't even <laughs> pretend. Like we, we've danced this dance so many times. Like we're not getting white wine. Cool. And the next question is, if you had a chance to make a documentary, what would it be about? So I love like, like having studied classics and stuff at uni. I love like historical, like architecture documentaries. You know, you get the ones about like Rome and like Greece and stuff. And it goes all into all like the history and like these really prominent buildings. If I was going to make one, I'd love to do one about London because I feel like there just like isn't really one mm. in terms of kind of like you get those big historical documentaries about like niche bits of like Roman history. And it'll be like food and drink in Roman times. And you'll get like, we actually had a professor, in our, Michael Scott, who does a lot of them for like BBC and stuff. Michael Scott. Oh, that's, just, that's, yeah. the, that's the guy in the office. But Oh yeah, yeah no, I his mean, name <laughs> is Do- Dr. Michael Scott and he does a lot of them for like the BBC and he goes like around Rome and I would just love to do something like that in London. Like maybe even like, I was talking about that book, like Queer London. I'd love mm. to even do something like that and talk about all like that, how yeah. architecture has like influenced culture in the city and how it's like changed so much over time because I think London is like fascinating because it was like bombed and everything like that and how it's all changed. Like I would love to make a documentary on that. That'd be incredible. No, that sounds really cool. Not quite a documentary, but I actually watched, uh, yeah, touching on like architecture. You mentioned t- touching architecture and studying in like Rome in Italy as well. Mm. I watched this TV series on Amazon Prime recently, Leonardo, um, which yeah. is like on Leonardo da Vinci. And he, I didn't realize it was gay as well. No, oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, what? Leonardo da Vinci. Oh. I, did, I feel like there's so many like famous, like historic men and women who were like yeah. gay and queer and you just don't really like. You just don't know about it. I guess it wasn't kind of told to you like growing up. Like you could learn about Leonardo da Vinci, but then they, like, as you mentioned earlier, they wouldn't tell you that he was, yeah, yeah, he was gay. It's so funny, like watching, like when you get these, when you read kind of history books about people, but it was like, he lived in this huge stately home. Like he never married. He liked to wear like women's clothes and he just lived there with his really good friend. Yeah. you know <laughs> like you just you get these like stories about people and you're just like yeah no that sounds yeah, legit sure. definitely definitely accurate yeah 
And so this one, third and final question. This is actually a question we ask every guest, the same one. And that is, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? I feel like there's been so many occasions because um, in like second year, I was single at uni and my flatmate, who is my flatmate now as well, her boyfriend used to come and stay but obviously like I was used to just like having her attention like all the time so I would just like knock on her door and she'd be like just hanging out in her room with her boyfriend and I just remember there was this one time where like I was like chatting to someone I think on like like an app or something and I just came in and they were just like in like just like lying down on the bed and I just got into bed with them I was just like just like laid down next to them and was like so what do you think about this <laughs> and just yeah just like every time we just sort of went out I'd just be there like plodding along behind them <laughs> I feel like there's so many stories of that like similar to that where they've just like got into bed with a couple or somebody's going to bed with them as a couple and I'm like yeah that's weird that's weird man <laughs> They weren't like, obviously, actually, like, they weren't like fully clothed, like lying on top of the bed. But I was just like, oh, you know, what do you think about this? (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's good. (laughs) The next topic is a call out or nomination. So you can choose one or many people that you'd hopefully like to see come on the podcast at future day. Yeah. Who would you like to nominate? Um, So I get, I would like to nominate my friend Ellen, who I did our radio show with at Warwick. She always has lots of really like good stuff to say on like loads of different topics and I think she'd be a great person to bring in her name's Ellen Rodder like she's down in Cornwall at the moment because of the pandemic but like she got stuck in Spain during the pandemic so I'm sure she could definitely talk about that and like she had a very interesting time over there and like she's a really cool person so I think she she'd and I'm sure she'd like love to come on yeah wicked we'll uh we'll tag her when we release her episode and last bit's just a shout out so basically anything you want to like shout out promote plug whatever yeah, now now's a chance. So, Grace, anything? Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, yeah, no, not 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 really. Um, if you if you do want to follow me on Instagram, it's um, at gc walsh underscore. Don't follow me on Twitter because I never post there. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, and your website no. too. Yeah, yeah, www.grace-walsh.com for like all the stuff I've written. If you want to read my um bits. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, we'll put links links to that in the in the show notes. I'm I'm gonna shout out um I made a little a little website recently to practice view, view JS. It's called Footy Text. Uh so the website's footytext.netlify.app. And basically it's just I don't know if you guys do you guys remember like teletext? Yeah. Like checking yeah, the news. Yeah, yeah. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. The scores, like, the scores. Yeah, yeah, the football scores. Yeah. So basically I've made a website where you can check football scores and it looks like teletext. So you can check like old Premier League tables and like the Euro 2020 results and stuff like that. And it all looks like teletext. So yeah, you can check that out. Link will be in the description. Yeah, it's just like a small, small little app I made. But yeah, cool. Hamish, anything? Yeah, I'm just going to try a a song, I think, which is on the new Fast and Furious called Lane Switcher by Skepta, Potsmolt, ASAP Rocky, Juicy J. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and Project Pat. It's it's a decent song. So go listen to it. And obviously RIP Potsmolt. There's a new Fast and Furious. Yeah, it just came. I think it just came out or it's coming out in the next couple of days. I haven't, I haven't seen I one of them. Oh, sorry. No. But what isn't is it like 11 10? or something? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's nine. Nine. Oh my oh. God. I think there's meant to be one more after this and then that's it. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, th- thanks Grace so much for uh, coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's been great. Nice meeting you as well. No, it's been wicked. I uh, hope you enjoyed it and hope everyone else enjoyed listening too. And yeah, we'll, yes, we'll just catch you all next week. All right, see you guys. All right, have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.